Hello sisters, good morning everyone. Uh, welcome once again to our devotional and this week we're looking at Detour. Detours. This is by Pastor Tony Evans, a very seasoned man of God and we're going to be talking today the first day about positive interruptions. Positive interruption. So a detour is an unplanned, often unexpected shift in the route we were taking to get to where we were trying to go right he says when we get into our cars we do so with a destination in mind we plan to go somewhere we typically know how we plan to get there which highway we're going to take even which streets we're going to turn onto in order to arrive at our destination and if we don't we at least type in the destination address into our smartphone app and rely on an automated voice to guide us every step of the way whether we are following our own mental map or the one in our phone sometimes we run into a detour some closed um some closed end that requires us to make a u-turn or go down a path we had not previously expected i don't know about you but i like to get to where i'm going without any details when i take a long road trip with the family i won't even stop for, for normal things like food and bathroom breaks unless my family insists so you can imagine how i feel about details it's not good. I sigh. I moan. I wonder why on earth did this have to happen to me right now? Have you ever done something similar? You can admit it too. Few of us like to be stalled for any reason, even if it's just someone cutting us off in traffic and forcing us to slow down. But details are necessary if any improvement is going to, make, is going to be made on the paths we travel or if any wreck is going to be cleaned up or hazard avoided. Details are designed for our own good, regardless of how we view or feel about them. They're a good thing that often feels bad. Divinely designed details in our lives are also positive interruptions designed to divert us to a better path so that we might have the opportunity to reach our destination well. What's more, they often provide the development we need in order to reach our destiny. How we view our details will often determine how useful they wind up being, which is why we're going to spend the next few weeks examining the purpose, the power, and the perfection of details God both uses and allows in our lives. And, and this is me talking. I've experienced details in my life, and I can tell you uh, uh, very categorically that, you know, just like a Joseph, details actually happen to, uh, I'll put it this way, God is more interested in our character than in our comfort. Details take us through processes that, cleans us up you know that sorts us out that that rewinds our perspective adjusts our mindsets prunes and cleans us up in readiness for that actual destination where we're headed to it usually is not interesting it's usually not uh um an acceptable process it's usually not something we're interested in honestly it's usually not something we're interested in but the truth is the the utmost goal god's utmost goal is that detours are introduced into our lives to fine-tune us to purify us to refine us to train us to teach us to upgrade us and then properly align us and properly position us to now head where we're headed to let's read genesis chapter 37 from verse 1 and see you know see the experience of of joseph so from verse 1 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. 
the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him, which his brothers saw that their fathers oh, for him when his brothers saw that their fathers loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field, when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> can just imagine Joseph saying this to his brother. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And then they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as, his father, as well as his brother, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if, if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dotan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dotan. And they saw him in, in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these systems. And say that a ferocious animal devoured him. You know, uh, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. He says, let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. They took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and ma, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the system and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy is in there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. 
Now he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So imagine this kind of thing happens to you. Imagine it happens to you. It's a complete, it's a total detour from anything you would have expected could happen in your life. It's a complete, you know, navigation away from your perspective, you know, from your regular thought pattern, from what you would have assumed was God's intention for you. But we know the story of, of Joseph. We know where this whole drama, you know, uh, navigated to and where he ended up. You know, it, they didn't, it, it didn't end, it didn't even end with them just sending him to Egypt. It was sold to the governor of Egypt, Potiphar. And then he lived with Potiphar for, for quite a number of years. And it seemed like everything was going well again. But he was not in his father's house, which for many of us would have said, oh, we have home to go back to. Meanwhile, in God's plan, we don't have home to go back to. For those 11 stars and the sun and the moon to bow before him, those things couldn't have happened in his father's house. There was a destination for him. And that destination was this, he, he was going to get there through these rough patches that were clearly by natural order, you know, by natural interpretation, details in his life. It is this rough patch, all these rough patches are what were going to lead him to his destination. But to Joseph, this must have looked like hell on earth. So I'm using this opportunity to say to you through this devotional that we may be recognizing details in your life. Some of the things I would say, <clears throat> check to be sure that you are not the obstacle in your own journey. Check to be sure that you're not creating any negative patterns around yourself. Check to be sure that you're not contributive to anything that is messing up your process. But as long as you are in alignment with God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good to them who love God and who are the called in alignment with his purpose. That is God's, that is God's word for us. That's God's word for you. Everything, your, your personal perspective, your personal agenda may just not be God's agenda for you. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called in alignment or in accordance with his purpose. That's Romans chapter 8 in verse 28. And the Bible says here in verse 29 of it, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Then it says in verse 30, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So your journey may look dramatic to you, but when, the, when you've been predestined, you're headed somewhere, uh, you will go through processes, you know, you'll go through processes of cleanup. You could read Romans chapter 5 from verse 1 to 5 and see what trials do. Trials are, are happenings that are introduced by God to bring about pruning and cleansing and then head you towards destination. Temptations are incidences or manifestations, circumstances that are introduced by the devil, you know, to bring you down. You know, the intention of temptation is to to bring you down the intention of trial is to clean you up and head you towards destination so when god predestines you he sorts you out and brings you to the point of justification justification navigates you and carries you to glory god's intention for every believer is that you will get to destination is that you will experience glory is that you experience glory maybe i should even read that scripture to you 
and then we close this uh we close this uh study so romans chapter 5 in verse 1 it says therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand he says and we you know so we have gained what we have gained access by faith into the grace which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of god so the intention is to get to glory 